to say thank you to this church. I owe this church much more than it owes me. I am honored to... Uh, uh, I would be honored to even be a member here, uh, let alone on the staff. I, am, I can't tell you how much I love this church. I can't tell you how proud I am of everything you have done. I am uh, uh, honored that our deacons and elders have such faith and courage. And uh, you ought to know that uh, I've asked them to try ridiculously hard things, and they never said no. And I, 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 I want... Uh, I want to say thank you to you all. That's all I know to say. Thank you. Our dear Heavenly Father, there are pathways that we cannot find by ourselves. There are green pastures that elude us, and there is still water that is tucked away out of our sight. There are paths of righteousness that only you know. And so we look to you as our good shepherd. And we ask you to shepherd us as only you can. In Christ's name, amen. About 1300, Florence was in a mess. And they had a very big political um, change and the people who were in the government that got thrown out, they got exiled. I mean, you got a note that said, you're not allowed to live in the city anymore. And one of the people who got the note was a man named Dante Oligari. And while he was in exile, uh, he, he wrote uh, the famous Divine Comedy, and um, in it, he goes on a journey, and he's guided by Virgil through hell. It's called Dante's Inferno. It is Dante walking through hell, and he envisions it as uh, a place that has it gets progressively worse till you get the very center and at the very center of hell in his imagination um, Satan, Lucifer, is frozen in ice uh, bound there forever frozen in ice and uh, Dante on his trip uh, he meets different people it was very controversial because uh, Dante had put some popes in hell, and uh, that didn't resonate very well in Italy. Um, uh, but, by the grace of God, uh, it was a journey there and back. Uh, he didn't have to stay in hell. Uh, uh, um, Virgil led him out and uh, back into the world of living. 
You know, when I think about Dante's Inferno, I think about uh, the adventure of our lives. Sometimes we find ourselves on pathways through life, and we don't have any idea how we got there. Sometimes we find ourselves in uh, challenging times, and we're really not sure our way forward. Uh, I know people who have gotten stuck in hell. Their life became a living hell, and they got stuck there. But I also know they didn't have to be stuck there. They weren't stuck there because God didn't care. They were stuck there because at some point they stopped following the Good Shepherd. They thought they could do this on their own, they thought they had things figured out themselves. And they got stuck. And when they stopped following the Good Shepherd, there was no way to find the green pastures, the nourishing waters, the paths of righteousness. There was no restoring of their soul. And life became a sorry collection of days. I don't want that for you, church. I do not want that for us. I want us to remember that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Shepherding is a 24-hour-a-day job. I have to be honest with you, I don't know anything about shepherding. I know sheep are not the pretty animals you see in books. They're, they're dirty, they smell, uh, uh, and they're generally unpleasant. Uh, but I do know shepherding is a 24-hour day. And so when the Old Testament was translated into Greek for the Septuagint, they didn't translate it, the Lord is my shepherd. They translated it as an action verb. The Lord shepherds me. Do you believe that 24 hours a day, the Lord has a shepherding eye on you? Do you believe that seven days a week, the good shepherd is interested in where you are and what's happening to your soul? The question is not, is the Lord a good shepherd? The question is, am I a good sheep? It's not a question of, does the Lord know where he's leading? It's a question of, how well am I following? I'd like us to look at five acts that the Lord does to shepherd us. The first is, the Lord acts in every way necessary to meet our needs. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack what I need. Where do you take the hardest needs of your life? 
I find for myself, when things are really, really hard, that's when it's easiest for me to say to my shepherd, I need some help. But I want to ask you, where do you take the easy needs of your life? See, I don't get in trouble in the hard stuff. I get in trouble in the easy stuff. When I start to think I don't have to pray about this, I got it. When I start to think this is easy, I can handle it. I want to take not only my hardest needs to the Good Shepherd, I want to take my easiest needs to the Good Shepherd. I want to follow the Good Shepherd not only when life is hard and challenging, but when it's beautiful, good, and joyful. You see, I believe taking my needs to the Lord is an act of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so, day by day, when I take my needs to him, I'm saying, I have faith in you as the good shepherd. I believe you know what you're doing. I believe you know where you're going. I believe that the best that can be had in life happens when I'm following you. When we take our needs to the good shepherd, it's an act of faith. Taking your needs to the good shepherd is an act of relationship. In our best relationships, we feel comfortable talking about our biggest challenges. Right? I have things I would never say to anybody other than Shay. I trust her. I have a relationship with her of trust. I would never say something, I, I would say to her things I would never say to anyone else. It's a relationship thing, right? Um, you have people in your life that because of the relationship, you trust them and you're, and you're able to share with them in a way you can't share with others. The Lord is my shepherd. It is a relationship and it should be a relationship of deep trust where I can trust him with things I cannot trust with anyone else. Some of you are saying, Doc, if the Lord is my shepherd and he meets my needs, why do I feel like I have unmet needs in my life? We can be honest. We, we, don't, we don't dodge the challenging questions. Some of you sit here today and you say, I believe the Lord is my shepherd, but I still have this big hole in my heart. I believe the Lord is my shepherd, but I still feel this emptiness. I believe the Lord is my shepherd, but... I still don't think things are working out the way I think they should. We're allowed to ask that question. If the Lord is my shepherd and he's promised to meet my needs, why is it that it's not uncommon for us to feel like we have unmet needs? I can't answer that question, but I can share a few thoughts with you. 
the first thought I have is, uh, I sometimes deceive myself. I sometimes deceive myself. I think things, some things are better than what they are, and I think other things aren't as good as what they are. Church, do you ever do that? I put too much value on things that may not really be valuable, and I don't put enough value on things that are really, really valuable. Church? How do you value something like a hug from your granddaughter? How do you value that? I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna say, I have these spots in my heart that I feel God hasn't met my need, then you contemplate what is it worth uh, to get a kiss on the cheek from your child. Really, what is that worth? Uh, brothers and sisters, there are people in this room who haven't heard I love you from a kind voice in years. Years. What is it worth to hear someone you care about say to you, I love you. You see, I'm trying to, I'm just sharing an idea. Sometimes the Lord is, is granting us great gifts and showing us great kindnesses to our heart. But we're not seeing them. We've grown callous to them. They don't, they don't carry the value that they ought to carry. And so we, we are very, very blessed, and we look beyond those blessings, and we only see the empty spots when there are rich, beautiful, deep, reservoirs of divine kindness in our life that we overlook. Is that a possibility? I'd like to share another idea. The Lord is my shepherd. Why, why do I feel like I have unmet needs? Well, maybe I'm calling things needs that aren't really needs. Huh? I have to admit, I've asked things for God in my life that I'm glad he didn't give them to me. They would have wrecked me. Some years ago, I almost lost my license driving a Ford pickup. Too many tickets on Mark's Road. What if God would have given me the vet I asked him for? <laughs> I mean, really. If I can't make a pickup behave, what am I going to do in a vet? 
Uh, there's a country music song that says, I thank God for unanswered prayers. There have been things in my life that I called needs, but if God would have given them to me, they would have wrecked me. So here's, here's what I want to say. When, the, when I say the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want, and then I'm thinking, but I do lack this. I want to have a different perspective, and I want to say, my shepherd knows not only what is best for me, but he knows the timing. Church. I'm telling you, in the last 40 years, there were times that I prayed, God, are you doing anything at all? We're stuck. We're not moving. We, get, we solve one problem and two problems pop up. But I can tell you, as I look over 40 years, the Lord's timing has always been perfect. The Lord's timing has always been Uh, we tried to buy uh, the school building and the 10 acres next to our, light, our, our, our building. We tried as hard as we could. Well, as we walked over there, laid hands on the building and prayed, and I mean, we did, we, is, we did, we actually offered the guy more money than he ended up selling it for. And we didn't get the property. And I said to God, what? We need this. We need this. This isn't, this isn't a nice thing. This is, if we don't get some space, we're not going to, we're done. Ah. But the Lord said, you don't need 10 acres in Parma. You need 32 acres in Columbia Station. So it may feel to you like I'm not meeting your need, but I'm going to meet your need in a way far beyond what you're presently thinking. Can you hear me, church? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. The second thing he does is the Lord finds healthy dwelling places for me. I tried to translate this real literally out of the Septuagint. He causes me to dwell in places with tender grass. You see, David began life as a shepherd. And you mustn't think of David's world as Ohio. David's world was much more arid than Ohio. Everywhere in Ohio you look, it's green. I've been to where uh, David lived in the south of Israel. It's not very green at all. It's arid. Uh, there wasn't anything that I would remotely call a pasture. In fact, what you get is, uh, in the mountains, the water runs to the, 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 these valleys, and then you get green in the valleys, and it's arid everywhere else. So when you talk about tender grass... That is a rare thing where David lived. Here, it's everywhere. I mean, uh, the deer eat everything in my neighborhood, everything. God bless them. Uh, 
In David's world, a place that had tender green grass was a beautiful find. David said, in the very same way that when I was a shepherd, I thought it was a wonderful thing when I found the area that had the tender grass. I believe that about God. He causes me to dwell in the most precious of places. Could I ask you, where does your inner self, your soul, dwell? Not asking you about where, what neighborhood you live in. You can be happy or miserable in any neighborhood. I'm talking about where do you dwell on the inside. In your inner self, do you dwell in a realm of fear? In your inner self, do you dwell in the neighborhood of regret? In your inner self, do you walk on the lonely streets of loneliness? Or do you wander through the neighborhoods of confusion? You see, the Lord is my shepherd, and he is passionate about my soul dwelling in healthy places. I read this week um, uh, um, the rabbi's uh, explanation of Psalm 23, and, and, and I found this rabbi's prayer. May it be your will that I am saved from the scattering of the soul. This is what he was praying. Dear God, I pray that my soul will not be scattered in a million different places and in a million different things. I pray that my soul can dwell in a healthy place. How does God create a healthy place for our souls? He is a God of peace. Is there anything better than the inner sense of peace? I mean, when you sit down and you say honestly, it is well with my soul. Is there anything better than that? He not only creates a place of, of, uh, of peace, he creates hope. He creates well-being. How about this? The Lord is my shepherd. He teaches me how to be kind to myself. Nobody speaks to me as ugly as I speak to myself. Can anybody, anybody else here? Nobody speaks to me as rude and as unkind as I speak to myself. There's a jerk in there, and he's mean to me. Listen, listen. The Lord can cause my soul to dwell in a place of kindness. I want to follow the Lord because I don't like where my soul wanders, and I do like where he guides my soul. The Lord's desire is to get your soul into beautiful places. If we meet the good shepherd every day, we'll have a healthier inner life, and we'll have a deeper sense of well-being because the Lord is my shepherd. The third thing he does is he nourishes me. The Lord nourishes me at a place 
of restful waters. Again, uh, southern Israel is not Ohio. There are ponds and lakes everywhere in southern Ohio. Just get in your car and drive out into the country. They're everywhere. In David's world, cool, fresh water was rare. So when David is dreaming of the very best life, he's dreaming of a place where cool, fresh water is easily accessible. It nourishes him. What are, you, what are you feeding your soul? How much anger did you feed your soul this week? How many servings of resentment did your soul eat this week? How many times did you sit down at the table of doubt and consume way too much? And probably worst of all, how many lies did you feed your soul this week? It's one thing to lie to other people. It's another thing to lie to myself, church. The Lord nourishes my soul. He doesn't want me to be eating anger, resentment, doubt, and lies. And so he feeds me with the wisdom that is from above. The Lord nourishes my soul with that which is pure and peaceable. He nourishes my soul with that which is gentle and reasonable. He nourishes my soul with mercy and good fruit. He nourishes my soul with impartiality and sincerity. The Lord nourishes me, and his peace, his purity, his gentleness, his reasonableness, his mercy, his good fruit, his impartiality, and his sincerity make me a healthier soul. I want to follow the good shepherd because he nourishes me with the wisdom that is from above. The Lord turns my soul in the right direction. The, 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 what gets translated, the Lord restores my soul, it's literally the verb for turning. And as I thought about it, I said, why does that happen? All right. Restoring is not a one-time thing. God doesn't wave a magic wand over you and you feel better. He doesn't wave a magic wand over you and um, you're, you're automatically good. In fact, what he does is he restores us by turning us ever so gently in the right direction. Restoration is not an event, it is a process. The Lord restores me by turning me in the right direction. The Lord turns my soul toward the best objective, his divine purpose. Listen to this. The Lord shepherds you according to his good purpose for you. God has a good purpose for your life. Would you, some of you, please stop daydreaming and listen to me one more time. God has a good purpose for you. He knows you as an individual. You're not just another number on his list. The good shepherd knows his sheep. He calls them by name. God has a good purpose for you 
And day by day, he shepherds you by turning you ever so subtly toward that good purpose. Church, the Lord turns my soul toward the best experiences. I believe life is beautiful when I share it with God. The shared life with God. Everything good in my life, everything good in my life comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no shadow of change. Church, when God turns you toward a life that is spent sharing day after day with him, he's turning you toward a life of your very best experiences. Nothing is better than doing life with God. Church, I can tell you the happiest times of my life when I was closest to God, the worst times of my life was when the good shepherd went in one direction and I went in another. The Lord turns my soul toward the best ideas. God is a God with a noble mind. The mind of God is infinitely noble. It's majestic, beautiful ideas, great thoughts. And the Lord restores our soul by sharing his noble mind with us. The Lord guides me into the right pathways. He leads me on the pathways of righteousness. When I look at my life, I know how I got here. I can look back at my pathway. I know how I got here. Ah, uh, the, the video, and thank you so much for that beautiful video. That video at the end had a Bible verse on it from Isaiah. Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from the remotest parts thereof and said unto thee, Thou art my servant, I have chosen thee and cast thee not away. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I will strengthen thee. I will uphold thee with my righteous right hand. I heard the Lord whisper that to my heart when I was an 18-year-old boy. I didn't get on this pathway. God hunted me down in a third-floor efficiency apartment in Elyria. If that's not the end of the earth, it's close. <laughs> Church, I know how I got on this pathway. God came out and found me. Do you know how you got on the pathway of life you're on right now? Do you have a sense of the divine in your life? Or do you feel like you're just wandering around? I'm telling you the good shepherd who got me on the pathway is the very same good shepherd who bring you onto the pathway. It's not reserved for a lucky few uh, spiritual lottery winners. He is the good shepherd to every soul that will be shepherded. The very same good shepherd who put me on the pathway I'm on today, he has a pathway for you. He'll leave the 99 in the wilderness. He'll come out and pick you up. He'll put you on his shoulders and carry you home. 
and invite his family and friends and say, come over and rejoice with me for my lamb that was lost is found. Are you on the right pathway for you? Right now, if you had to answer honestly, would you say, I'm on the right path in life? Or would you say, somewhere along the line, I missed the green pasture. Somewhere along the line, I missed the still waters. Somewhere along the line, the pathway I got on, I can't call it a pathway of righteousness. If that's how you feel, the good shepherd is still there, church. He didn't stop being your shepherd because you stopped following. He went right on being your shepherd. I believe God's great purpose in the world is intimately associated with family. Is your family on the right path? Brothers, I want to talk to you for a minute. We are supposed to be spiritual leaders in our home. That doesn't mean spiritual dictators. That doesn't mean bullies. That doesn't mean all that nonsense. You know what it means? It means I'm supposed to be talking to God about what's best for my family. I'm supposed to be saying to God, Dear God, I'm your partner. And there are green pastures that my family needs. Would you help me get them there? Dear God, my family needs to be nourished spiritually. They need spiritual nourishment. We've got groceries in the refrigerator. We have cabinets full of stuff. But my family needs spiritual nourishment. Would you please grant me the ability to bring spiritual nurture to my family? Brothers, your family's taking a beating out there. Somebody needs to be God's partner in restoring their soul. Would you be a spiritual leader to your family by letting the good shepherd be a spiritual leader to you? Church? Brothers, I'm going to tell you this again. Uh, I believe with all my heart, you ought to take your wife's hand every day and pray with her. Every day. Uh, do it at lunchtime. Do it at breakfast time. Do it at supper. Just take her hand and pray. Give thanks to God. N bring some spiritual nurture to your family. Brothers, that's too weak. I want to hear a commitment here. Thank you. Uh, sisters, could I, could I please? Uh, you follow the good shepherd. And you're going to bring health and well-being to your family. Your family is going to be better because the good shepherd makes you better. Church, at the core of your family is going to be a beautiful soul. And the grace of God is going to be mediated through you. And the good shepherd is going to whisper 
love and kindness and good ideas to your family. The closer you follow the good shepherd, the healthier your family will be. Now, we're not talking about perfect. There are no perfect families. I can't be in a perfect family. I won't fit. Uh, I'm not asking for a perfect family. I'm asking for a family that wants to follow the good shepherd. If you stay on the path where you are right now, where will you end up in 40 years? We had an elder meeting yesterday, and some of the uh, experiences we've had together as a church, uh, we had to remind ourselves as, um, as uh, a model for some of the hard stuff we're going to try and do. If you stay on the pathway you're on right now, where will you be in 40 years? See, for some of you, you got 40 years. And you're going to be somewhere in 40 years. Why not be somewhere you really want to be? Church, could I tell you one of the guiding principles I had for this church for 40 years? Don't build a church you don't want to go to. We don't do stuff I, that nobody likes. Because... Why? Why? Why build a life you don't enjoy living in? I like this church. I like the stuff we do. I look forward to a bunch of stuff. And then we just don't do stuff everybody hates to do. I, oh, good. Let's go to church and do stuff everybody hates to do. Um, all right, let me wrap this up. It matters who you share your pathway with. The Lord is my shepherd. The best pathway you can be on is one that is guided by the good shepherd. But I hope you know sheep aren't individual animals. They live in flocks. It matters what flock you're in. I believe in the church. I believe when the church is doing its best, it is the hope of the world. I believe when the church is healthy, people's lives are better. I believe when the church is healthy, God's lost kids come home. People grow up and become strong in the Lord. It matters what flock you're in. And it matters what pathway your family's on. And so I ask you to hear God say, I am your shepherd. And if you will follow me, I'll get you to green pastures. I will nourish you with clean, cool water. I'll keep turning you in the right direction. And I'll lead you in paths of righteousness. Our dear Heavenly Father, I give thanks to you. I worship you. I acknowledge that you are good. I thank you for the privilege of being a member of this church. I thank you for the adventure of faith that we've had. I thank you for all our deacons and elders. Thank you for our life group leaders. I thank you for everybody who serves in the ministry. I thank you that you have 
blessed me in my rising up and in my lying down and in my going out and my coming in. And I pray that this church could do more in the next five years than we have done in the last 40 because we follow the good shepherd. Amen.